Welcome to today's Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. We're so glad that you're listening today and a part of this. Happy to be here with Dave, who you know, Dave John, but also happy to be here with Blake from New Spring, right? Yes, sir. New Spring, New Spring Church. Church. And um, and we're glad to have you on the podcast today. It's, it's been you. a while since we've done a guest on the podcast, so this is like a refreshing kind of. It's going to be fun to visit with you and talk a little bit. And um, how are you doing, Dave? Ah, oh, doing great. Doing great. That's good. Well, sometimes we do podcasts, we have a script today. We really don't. We're just going to visit a while. So I thought we could kick things off here by just uh, having you give us a little bit of intro to yourself, Blake, and a little bit of context to the kind of church you're in. Yeah, that's great. Uh, my name is Blake Goss, and I am a worship director at New Spring Church in South Carolina. And our church, we have 14 campuses that are spread out legitimately all across the state of South Carolina. Um, wow. You know, it's it's different than a lot of multi-site churches where they're, you know, like in a suburban area of a city and um, all within 30 minutes of each other. I mean, we have campuses that are four hours apart. Um, and so it, it's pretty awesome to be able to travel and see the different things that God's doing at all the different campuses from Anderson and Greenville to Myrtle Beach and Hilton Head and Columbia and everywhere in between. And so um, I came on staff here as a worship director about a little over five years ago um, to lead the worship department. And um, it's just amazing to have such an awesome team um, of so many worship leaders and really just to see what the Lord has done specifically here at New Spring and um, the, the culture that he's created here. And in addition to that, so I'm a dad to uh, four kids and my wife, Emily, and I have been married um, a little over 16 years. Um, and we got four kids for aging from, gosh, my oldest just turned 14, which is blowing my mind <laughs> to think I'm a year away from sitting in the passenger seat with him driving <laughs> to um, I have three girls. Um, that are 11, nine and about to be five. And man, every one of them are full throttle and we have a blast. Nice. Wow. That's cool. When you said 14 campuses, first thing I thought of was you must have an amazing tech team to be able to coordinate all that. We're yeah, we do. And I, luckily I don't understand anything they do. So they never call on me for help Okay, for, for, <laughs> for that, but they're really, really good at what that, they do. That is a great philosophy for keeping boundaries. That's just right. Don't understand it. And it Ooh, works out yeah. well. We, um, I know we're going to, we've got a couple of things we want to for sure hit, but before we get there, just for the sake of people and comprehending the idea, I know there's a lot of campus churches and I've, I've followed New Spring for quite a few years yeah. and, uh, just seen some of the stuff that's happened and, um, and so just a little bit of like how that works, like how in the world do you have that many different church services happening at the same time? Do you have a worship leader at each campus? Everybody's kind of on their own and you're kind of helping to build culture yeah. or are you right in hands on choosing songs, picking people and all that type of stuff? Yeah, it's kind of a mixture of all those things. We do have campus worship leaders at all of our campuses. Um, when I first came on staff, there was four of our campuses that were kind of the newer startup campuses that they did not have worship leaders yet. Um, they were actually receiving the broadcast, not only, so every campus is receiving the broadcast teach. Um, and of course, campus pastors locally are pastoring and getting stage time. But um, those four campuses that didn't have a worship leader were receiving the broadcast worship um, as well from our Anderson campus. And at first I was kind of, honestly, I was kind of skeptical of like, is that effective? You know, and then I would go visit like our Hilton Head campus. And if the worship leader encouraged them to clap or to lift their hands, whatever it may 
they followed, they did it, you know? Huh. And um, I mean, naturally you still want to go to the next level of having a worship leader be able to discern what God's doing in the, in the room and be able to lead them directly. And so that was not the end goal for us. And now we've worked towards, I would say by the end of this year, we'll have all 14 with their own worship leaders. Um, so I am part of leading our set planning process. We have a group um, that does that. And we're in this really cool space where every campus does do what we call like the globally planned set list just to unify around like whether it's original music um, that, you know, we want to unify around that or, you know, something that is in line with the teaching or, you know, even if we're trying to push the boundaries with, you know, stepping into some unity and diversity with some gospel music and we want all campuses to jump you know, on board with that. But we also will notify if there's a certain song that we're like, hey, this is a flex song, which means you can change this, just, you know, work within the song bank that we have. And so we feel like we've really um, kind of struck a good chord with unity of, um, you know, uniting the, the campuses, but also allowing them to to express their own um, individual personality as well. I bet that huh. it would make a great topic for... Uh... Podcast, but also a book of how to have multiple campuses with different personalities. Maybe you've got this church is full of introverts, this church is full of extroverts, and how do you coordinate all those? That that yeah. sounds amazing. Well, man, you got everything from Greenville, which is like big city, to Myrtle Beach, was which is a beach town, to Columbia, which is you know the capital, or Greenwood, which is more like rural. Um, and so it's like. I don't know. The illustration that I love so much is kind of like a family where, you know, like my last name is Goss. I have four kids. There are certain things that all four of my kids are going to do because they're a Goss. But I want them all to also be their individual, unique um, personality and who God made them to be. And so um, we are a family. Um, that's definitely one of our core values as a church. And um, so I, I love just that illustration of we're all family. There's certain things we're going to be about. But then there's also certain things that, you know, be who you are. And who leaves their dishes around the most? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, at my house, um, it's pretty much everybody but me and my wife. <laughs> it feels like. Uh, you got to love it when you find the dishes in the room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, th I thought you were going to say me. Oh, yeah. No, I, I know better, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus, yeah. Once you're doing the dishes, you don't leave dishes around. That's right. Um, uh, back to this idea of uh, worship leaders at each campus. How do you hire all those people, or do you kind of groom them or pull them in in some fashion, or is the campus pastor kind of responsible for uh, pulling the team together? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the campus pastor is the hiring manager. Um, you know, because chemistry and culture there locally is so important. Um, but we are definitely pulled in. Um, kind of more on the um, competency side of things, you know, and um, like, so if a campus pastor, you know, most of them don't live in the worship world and know the music side of things, um, they, they lean heavily on us. And a lot of times we will send them names. Um, sometimes those names are people we know outside the church, but other times it's young worship leaders that we have raised up and developed because we do have, you know, um, we have, you know, a development program that I'm, I'm, you know, proud of that a lot of our team has just poured into the young generation and we, um, our campuses have what they call development worship nights where, you know, it's like you do an audition and the easy thing to think is it's a yes or a no. Um, but there's a third choice, which is not yet, um, that like, there's really great potential and we don't need to say no, we just need to pour into you and invest in you. And it's been really cool to see some of those candidates, you know, be developed and then step into um, even becoming worship leaders. We actually have a girl right now who we're doing a six month kind of um, 
worship leader in training. And with the end goal that at six months, she's going to go um, to one of our campuses that has an huh. opening. And so um, we are very involved in the process. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I can't force any candidate really connecting with chemistry to the campus pastor and the team there. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, they are um, responsible for the hiring. Yeah. Emotional connection is like it, it would it would outweigh the possible slightly less competency. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you want both, but if you got to pick one or the other, right? You, you want it to be connected, and uh, that's pretty cool. So, if you were going to uh, be sharing here, I know there's a lot of multi-site churches. That's kind of a, a growing thing, and and large churches and music and all that is, uh, you know, larger churches putting out music. All those things are like really encouraging the whole church. I think that's awesome. If you were going to sort of extrapolate a little bit of what you just described for somebody leading worship, listening to this podcast that only has one church and yeah. doesn't have a huge, um, group. What, what are the principles that, that <laughs> you still sort of say, Oh, uh, uh, these are the things that I still have to, you know, do whether I've got 14 worship leaders and right. thousands of people, or I've got a hundred people looking at me on Sunday morning. Right. Well, I mean, until five years ago, that was my story. Um, I actually, in 2008 helped start a church from the ground up and, you know, we, we met in a home, I mean, literally <laughs> in a living room, um, the church size could fit in a living room. Um, and then we did launch team meetings and, um, finally started meeting in a portable, you know, environment in a school. And then just over years it grew and we, we built a building on like the main highway in our area, but we're still one campus and, um, growing. And, and so honestly, I have such an appreciation for, that season that a matter of fact, I actually sometimes will warn worship leaders that when they do begin to go even from portable to permanent, um, hey, don't lose that DNA that happened with the camaraderie of like, you know, people getting there early and setting up and there, there, there's like this, it, it builds family and it builds like this buy-in from the volunteers who are doing things. And so I, I, I personally would not despise, um, you know, being a church of one campus would like meaning, meaning having this end goal that we have to be multi-site. Like, I, I don't, I don't see that as a goal. It happens to be the environment that I am in now. Um, but honestly, there's a lot of advantages that I see to a church being like, I can think of another church um, in Georgia where I came from that their end goal is to only be um, one campus and they do raise up others and they send them out, but they send them out as churches, not as campuses. And, you know, we have that conversation all the time, like which one's the the most biblical model or whatever. And it's like, at the end of the day, yeah. it's a strategy um, more, more than anything. But I, I oftentimes reach back and like, remember um, the things that God taught me in those seasons to try to bring them into this season that I'm in now. Um, you know, I, I look at it too, that bigger is definitely not um, better in that sense of like, oh man, if, you know, if we haven't gotten to be multi-site, I think about often the, the boy who brought the few loaves of fish and bread to Jesus. And he literally used that and it said to satisfy thousands, you know, mm -hmm. and he had very, very little to offer. And I think back to our pipe and drape days <laughs> and our U-Haul days of our whole church could fit in a U-Haul. Um, and, miracles happened and salvations happened every single week. And so like another thing I am learning again, I'm 38 now I got four kids is I know we quote this, but the Lord truly is more concerned with who we're becoming than what we do. Um, I feel like I'm even seeing things in my own life right now where like 
he's not allowing me to do certain things because he's trying to do a work inside of me. And, and so like wherever you're planted, if I'm speaking to worship leaders of, you know, a small church or one campus, it's like lean in and let the Lord do a work in you where you're planted. Um, you think about a tree that if you were to uproot it and plant it and uproot it and plant it and uproot it and plant it, it would never fully grow. It couldn't let those roots down. But the Lord is doing something beneath the surface in you and in the city where you are. Um, and I just want that just to be an encouragement because it's so easy to like see this mirage of like we've arrived and we get to where New Spring is or some other church. And that's just not the case. <laughs> so don't be a bonsai tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> They're pretty cool trees, though. They are very cool trees. Um, I want to ask you about your 14 campuses. Do you have programs that help uh, people from one campus interact with another, like a get-together, ice cream social? I know they're kind of far apart, so maybe yeah. three-hour drive is not reasonable, but uh, what kind of community building do you do between the 14? Yeah, we um, we do quarterly training days where the entire staff, um, you know, they, they pack up and they come to Anderson, where we're located, and they, I mean, they get a hotel um, and... And then we will have all staff, which is an entire day of pouring into the entire staff. But then so if that's on a Tuesday, the Monday before is um, department training day, which is where we get to pour into the worship leaders from all across the state and and do it in person. And those are, you know, they're exactly what the, the name says. They're training. <clears throat> it's it's, you know, and a lot of times we we ask the question like, hey, where do you guys feel like you're not being developed? Where do you feel like you could be more equipped um, and we will actually shape those training days around what they feel that they need most, where the gaps need to be closed. But then at the same time, like our last training day, we hadn't done this in a year. We just did a team fun day. Um, when it's really cool place in Greenville and played putt putt and, um, threw axes and, um, did Ooh. ice, ice curling and <laughs> no, where do you go? Ice curling. It wasn't real ice. I was a little let down. It was kind of more like, um, oh gosh, what do you call it when you, you know, you, you oh man, you push the little. Shuffleboard, um, shuffleboard, shuffleboard. Yeah, shuffleboard. That's it. Yeah. It was wow. more like shuffleboard on a white piece of, you know, <laughs> so it was a little misleading, but it was a lot of fun, you know, just to like stop work for a little bit and just be together and laugh together. And, you know, when you are 14 campuses and spread apart, we we always walk away from those days feeling more like a team, more like a family. Um, we do always we start all those days by just worshiping together. Um, and just usually we don't, we don't overdo it. It's like one or two people with an acoustic guitar. Like, you know, these are worship leaders. They don't need all the other, the other stuff. And it's actually refreshing to strip it down. No click tracks, no click tracks, no Ableton. <laughs> we, we do love it. <laughs> but, um, for that space, it's just, just really good to be able to worship together. Yeah, that's cool. Well, um, we, uh, listened to your, I guess it's a relatively new album. Mm -hmm. How long has it been out? Oh gosh, um, April. So I guess we're coming up on a month. Um, did release a single in February and one in March and then the EP, um, with four songs in April. So in case we forget toward the end, tell us the name of that and how people can find it easily. Yeah. It's, uh, the EP is called Alters and you can search either my name, Blake Goss or New Spring Worship. Um, you know, which is one of the coolest parts is getting to do this with my church and it be like a co-release, um, and so, yeah, there's four songs on there, and they each have a unique story, um, all ones that we're singing collectively as a church. And, you know, so we, it, it's cool to see it go from our church and then be released into the earth and to be a blessing to others as well.
Well, we like stories. Uh, you got any stories <laughs> off the top of your head? I, I'm sorry I didn't prepare you for this to think of, no, it's okay. think of one. but uh... No, that's great. Um, for sure. There's many. I mean, I feel like I have stories attached to each song. I'd love to, maybe in a moment, I'll share about like why it's called Alters and why, you know, if you were to look at the artwork, it's very intentional. But the story that pops in my mind um, when you ask that question is is a pretty recent one. So, and let me start by saying this. Um, I used to release music pretty frequently, um, but it had been about seven years since I had done that. Um, and I used to have this goal of like that, that'd be my full-time job is like, you know, a touring artist, do the record label thing, all that stuff. And, um, and look, again, going back to the work that the Lord needed to do in me, um, you know, I, I was blessed to be able to like go out and do a lot of really cool things, but like never, it, it never took off to the extent of what I probably prayed and wished it would have, if I'm just being completely honest. And so fast forward to, I thought that was a season of my life that was over, but the Lord got my attention through pretty surprising ways, actually. Like, um, yeah, even people who didn't know me being like, hey, I know this is weird, but I feel like God's telling me like you have the gift of songwriting on your life. And I don't even know if you write songs or you know, I mean, they would write stuff down that like God told them to give me the sticky note. And it's like reading my, <laughs> it's like reading my journey, my heart. And so like the Lord got my attention to do this project. But one of the things that he did in that was kindly talk to me. I, I felt like in my prayer time about redefining success as an artist, because it's easy to have this label of success, like, okay, certain amount of streams, certain amount of you know, social media followers, um, you know, certain amount of churches other than your own playing your music. And I just started journaling things that like, I felt like the Lord was defining as success um, for, for me personally. And it was more things like the presence of, of God is so evident in worship that literally people give their lives to Jesus right in the middle of a song. And I've seen that, um, that the presence of God is so heavy that literally there's a physical healing um, that strongholds are broken off people that, you know, children hear from God in the middle of a song for the first time. And so I say all that to say, um, there was, it was not that long ago. It was, I want to say in March, I was, I have Friday off. It was a Friday. I see, you know, when you can really kind of just get alone with your thoughts and I'm like, God, I know you told me to do this and release this album, but like, does it really make a difference? Is it, does it matter? Kind of throw myself a, a silly little pity party. And I was like, God, just show me something like if this is actually making a difference. Um, and that night I went to we were having a Spanish night of worship at one of our campuses, Ooh. which is really, really cool. And I was just in the lobby and this girl approaches me who I've never met before. And she said, hey, are you are you Blake? Um, I was like, yeah. She said, hey, I know this may be weird, but I just need to tell you about how the Lord used one of your songs in my life. Um, she said, I struggled with an extreme eating disorder. Um, and it, it, it gripped me. I couldn't get free from it, um, to the point to where like, I understood why people took their own lives struggling with this. She was that mm. honest with me. And she said, and then I heard your song with a word and just to insert. So the song with a word is written from Matthew eight, where the Roman centurion comes to Jesus and ask him to heal a servant. And, and Jesus says, he'll go to him, he'll heal him. And Jesus um, the man says, no, I'm not worthy to have you even come under my roof, but just say the word and he'll be healed. And Jesus marveled at his faith. And it says it will be done just as you believed. And with a single word, Jesus healed um, this person.
same chapter, you see like, especially if you're reading the Bible in letters in red, you'll see single words where like there's a demon possession. And Jesus literally just said, go. One word. And the demon's gone. And he looks at the storm and he says, still. And with one word, the power of the storm is overcome. Um, you know, and then like on the cross, with, you know, in, in the original language, to telestai, it is finished, which means it is finished. And with a single word on the cross breaks the curse of sin and shame. And so I, I come back to the story. Um, that was the heart for the song. And she said, I was just listening to the song and I, through that feeling that God spoke a word over me of healed and he spoke the word over me free. And I remember, and it just led me to just pray and completely surrender this and say, God, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And she woke up the next morning and said, she legit, like she was just free. Doesn't know how to explain hey, it. And, you know, (laughs) yeah, I mean, and I I heard that story on a day where I was wrestling with like, does this even matter? And it's like God was kind to give me just one glimpse into a story. Like, it's very possible that could have been a reality and she didn't tell me. And so how many stories are out there that I don't know about? Um, But really, if, if I can humble myself and be about the kingdom, then I realize that, man, that is success. Even if it never like gets on a chart or, you know, I never tore or anything like that. Like it was a, a song that was put in the hands of God that he could use to set someone free. And so that, that's, that's a story that I'm just, <laughs> just still kind of marveling at. That's awesome. That is awesome. And there, there's more stories just like that. I mean, there's one attached to Christ redeemed us written from Galatians three. And, you know, I can tell the stories forever, but it's just, it just reminds me that that's what the Lord wants to do with it. Praise the Savior. Praise the Son, friend of sinners, who rescued us. Let every breath join heaven's roar. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Christ redeemed Do you... um? It's a practical question, but yeah. do you get these glimpses of songs based on a melody going through your head and reading scripture about the same time? Or do you read this scripture and say, this has got to be a song and sort of create a melody? Yeah, I would say for the, the age old question. Yeah, for me, it's definitely <laughs> what you just said. I, I, I read a scripture and it just hits me in a new and a fresh way. And I'm like, this has got to be a song. Um, there's not. And again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I've actually just learned to grow into realizing who I am, but also who I'm not. And, you know, some people are extremely artistic um, and metaphorical in their writing. And it's like, I could try to do that, but it's just going to feel a little more forced. But like, um, I, I feel like the way that I write is I'm reading the word of God. I feel inspired. And so every song that I write, I could tell you exactly what the anchor scripture is. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I will say where it differs is sometimes the melody comes first and then the lyrics from the scripture come. Then other times it's like, man, I just see like the lyrics of the chorus and then have to work really, really hard at the melody. Um, but for me, and, and I feel like I've said this so many times, but I really do believe it. Like my words do return void. The word of God does not, you know, my words are not alive and active. Amen. They're they're Blake breathed, <laughs> but his words are God breathed and they will accomplish the purposes for which they're sent. And so I believe if the power and the truth of the word of God is put to melody, that the same is true. And I, 
I would just rather write like that. And so I've just learned to embrace it. And, and I, I do like, um, I, I'm amazed at some of the other writers, um, and, and how they write, but I just, I, I think I've just grown and matured into like, man, I'm going to appreciate how they write, but I'm going to stay in my lane and write how I write. Yep. It's all going to reach somebody yep. based on how they respond to music and lyrics. And, and then, you know, if, if what I like you said earlier was that your church sings these songs. Mm-hmm. So this is a different level than trying to find the song that's going to connect. Yeah. You put the songs out that have already connected and that helps to encourage right. the church overall. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll share. Um, also another thing that came to life is like, so I've actually preached a message on this at new spring. Um, and it really just hit people in a new and fresh way. So in Isaiah six, the angels are crying, holy, holy, holy. So in Revelation, we know they're crying, holy, holy, holy to God. But in Isaiah 6, it says the angels are crying, holy, holy, holy to one another. And so it's a little like, okay, they're crying holy, but they're actually one angel is crying to another angel. Holy, holy, holy. So C.S. Lewis, I came across this, he, he, he writes this quote and says that he believes the reason is, is because each angel is it's looking at God and seeing his glory around the throne. It only has one angle one perspective of the glory of God, but it gets to communicate to all the other angels, the glory that it sees. Hmm. And if, and if all the other angels are faithful to also cry back, then you get a fullness of the glory of God that you don't get alone. And, hmm. and that has hit me in so many different ways. But one of the ways is, as a songwriter, it's like, I want to communicate through song, the angle of the glory of God that I see. And trust that all these other artists and all these other churches, it's like, man, when they write songs, it's not a competition. It is a new angle of God's glory. That's and, beautiful. Yeah. And even the sonic sound is like, man, it's it, it, there's so many different styles and sounds like some are heavier, some are more folky, some are, you know, gospel, whatever. But that is like, that is an expression of how they are seeing God. And it's beautiful. And, it, and it's really taught me to appreciate um all the different styles and all the different artists that it's a new angle that I get to see of God. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool uh, word for the different styles of churches. Yeah. I mean, like hmm. there you get to a little tiny family church and mm-hmm. it's a lot different than a mega church and a lot different than campus churches. And each one of those gives an expression of how God is at work. Right. So, yeah. Um, tell us about the cover. You mentioned the cover. Yes. The, uh, broken vessels. What's that all about? Yeah. So just, not even as a worship leader, but as a worshiper, which is, of course, who we are first, um, reading the story of the woman with the alabaster jar. It's just so moving in the sense of, you know, every time I read that story, I feel like I see something new. Um, but what stuck out to me that inspired the song Alters is that um, it says she broke the jar. Like, you know, scripture could have said she poured it out, but it actually acknowledges she broke the jar. So it makes you think like, why, why not just pour it out? Why, why did she break it? And, and, you know, the reason is because she wasn't planning on sparing anything. Like there was no intention. The only reason you have a jar is to hold something to, you know, to contain it, but she didn't want to contain the worth and value that she had. She wanted to spend it all on Jesus. And so she breaks the jar and pours it all out to the point where other people are like, what a waste. And Jesus, of course, defends her and says, like, what she has done will be told about her for generations. And then you think that, like, her, I don't know, man, as, as, as a worship leader, again, and as a worshiper, to think that my legacy, her legacy, 
was her worship. Like what would be told of her for generations to come was the level of worship that she had. The fact that she would spend everything on him. There wasn't, where else would she spend this value? And so I think for us, it is like, what's, what's in our jar, right? Like what do we hold dear and valuable? And like, am I willing to break and spend everything? Cause um, I, I think when I, when I get a visual, sometimes what I can be guilty of is like, you know, I know everyone can't see me, but like I, I'm kind of tilting the jar and pouring it out, pouring it out, tilting a little more and then calculating. Now I'm not comfortable with that. And I, you know, kind of pull it back. But what is the, you know, what is that last ounce in the jar that I need to give them that I haven't given them? And I'm going to break it because, you know, like Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. He says, holy and pleasing to God, a spiritual act of worship. And so just the, the, the artwork is this really beautiful artistic piece of the jar breaking, but instead of going down, pouring out at the feet of Jesus, it's like we are, we exalt him. We lift his name high. And so you kind of see the oil and the art, like it's going up and mm. the, the pieces are breaking up. And it's this symbolic nature of like just giving him everything and, and, the, and the worth of our lives and, and just pouring it all out on Jesus because he's worthy of it. Wow. It sounds like you've been doing this a long time. <laughs> Man, I just, I'm inspired. I'm really inspired. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think, I mean, that, that whole image of, of breaking is, uh, is a little bit about like being unrefined in worship because sometimes you, you're in control too much. Right. And, and it was kind of like breaking it, not only allowed every drop to come out, but it also kind of set the stage for kind of un, uh, you know, I keep wanting to say undignified from the really old song, but no, it's great. It's more like, it's like, it's not respectable. Like, right. It's sort of like, you're just kind of unclean. Not, yeah, like, you yeah, know, you're not professional Christian worshiper. You're just like a desperate worshiper. Right. And so there's a lot to that. I think that's awesome image. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that stuck out to me, I mentioned that something new sticks out to me about that story each time. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me, especially during the COVID season was that that level of worship <laughs> where she, she, you know, she broke the jar and poured it on Jesus. It happened in a home. It didn't happen in a church. It didn't happen in a synagogue. And I, I think, you know, for, for listeners, like it's so easy to, to be so enamored with our role and what happens on a Sunday. Um, but the level of worship that Jesus said from this woman that would be told for generations to come happened in her in a house. Mm. And yeah. These songs that we release, one of the, the ways that they align with our vision here at New Spring is, our, so our vision is we want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus. And that's not just a Sunday-only relationship with Jesus. Um, and so songs being released beyond just singing on a Sunday, it's like, yeah, we're going to sing them on Sunday, but we want it every day. And we don't j want it to just be at our 14 campuses. We want it to be everywhere for everyone. And, and so really that, that brought our song release and songwriting vision to life in alignment with our church, because that girl that I mentioned um, with a word, that healing happened at her house. You know, it didn't happen. It didn't happen in a church service. And so I think it's just, the Lord is expanding beyond, you know, um, what we do on a Sunday for an hour to 90 minutes. And I just love seeing how like the Lord can take these songs and, and, and reach people in homes. But also it's just a challenge at like, let your greatest worship, let your Sunday worship be an overflow of breaking the jar in your home. 
and and giving him all that he's worth. Again, leaving dishes around. (laughs) (laughs) In a good way. Leave your dishes around for Jesus. That's right. (laughs) We're going to bring it back to the dishes. Yeah. Hey, well, Blake, it's been great to talk to you. And um, we uh, have to get you on here again and and dive into deeper some of the stuff on this podcast. It's it's kind of like if you uh, if you make the podcast too long, cover everything, nobody ever gets a chance to listen to the whole thing. So we'll have yeah. to do little bits. But um, okay. once again, I think this album is awesome. Alters and uh, the music is available. I listen to it on YouTube, but I guess it's available anywhere you want to look it up. Yeah, Spotify. And so Apple somebody's music. searching it. They're just searching Alters Blake Goss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alters Blake you Goss. Your, how you spell your last name? G O S S. And you can also look up New Spring Worship because, again, it's a co-release with the church. And that's all one word, right? New Spring's all one word? New Spring's all one word, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you've said a ton of encouraging things. And so to all the <laughs> listeners who've been out there um, taking part in this, we hope that it's been a, a inspirational and a great eye-opener and opportunity just to regain the the vision of what true worship really is. Yeah. And so I think that's awesome. Um, any parting thoughts from you, Blake, or, or you, Dave, either one, anything we want to share at the end here for anybody who might be out there listening? Go ahead, Dave. I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a tough act to follow. I, uh, I'm just going to go listen to the album. How about that? Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, thank you. Thank you. No, I mean, really any parting words, I would just be, um, to any listeners, I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of listeners who are worship leaders and, um, truly as a worship director and worship pastor at New Spring, like we want to be a resource and encouragement to you. So like, you know, if you want to connect, um, with me personally, like, you know, and I can pour into you or your church, like it would be an honor, um, to hop on a phone or, you know, a zoom call. And, um, and, and so my email is blake.goss at newspring.cc. And, and I say that because, you know, we can only cover so much in this time here, but if, but if I can, be an encouragement. Um, I, I truly am filled up when I get to do that, pour into other leaders and churches and any resource and anything we have here at New Spring, we want to make available to the global church. So we'd love to connect with you. Sounds good. That's great. All right. Well, we'll uh, speak with everybody next week. And Blake, we hope to uh, talk with you again sometime or see you in St. Louis next summer. And, <laughs> yes. Um, it's been a great podcast. And thanks, Dave. And thanks to each of you. So thank you both so much. Signing off now and see you next time. On the-